What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another uh, podcast slash interview. Um, my name is Steve. I'm the host here at CanadianGameDoes.com. Uh, joining me today is David Winter. He's the president and co-founder of Canuck Play. Uh, David, thanks for joining me, man. Oh, well, thank you very much for, for having me on. It's very, um, it, it makes sense to have you on today because it is Super Bowl Sunday. Obviously, when, when people are listening to this, it'll be long past, uh, well, not long past, but past the Super Bowl. Uh, but we are going into Super Bowl Sunday here. What, who do you have for today's game? Who, who are you rooting for? Anyone? Uh, well, I don't really have uh, a pref. Uh, well, I don't have a, a loyalty preference. I would like to see the Rams win, just because I'm tired of the Patriots. Yeah, yeah, you're in. You're in that camp. That's. I see. I'm in the opposite camp, which is. I, I enjoy dynasties. I look. I, I enjoy watching dynasties. I've been in Toronto sports my whole life, so I've never enjoyed a dynasty myself. But I kind of like seeing Tom Brady being 41 or 42 or whatever he is and, and just kind of playing at this level, but I can understand kind of both respects where people are just kind of tired of talking about the Patriots over and over and over again. So uh, I'm like you. I don't really have a horse in either race, but I'm just uh, – I got the chili cooking right now in the slow cooker, so I'm kind of just hoping for that to turn out well. Um, chili is always good. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so before we kind of talk about Canuck play and, uh, and maximum football, um, why don't we just kind of get to know you a little bit? If you don't mind just kind of introducing yourself, uh, who you are, who, what kind of gamer you are, maybe how you started as a gamer and a game developer. Uh, sure. Well, so my name is, uh, David Winter and I am the president and co-founder, uh, and lead developer and, producer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, at uh, Canuck Play. And I have been in the game industry professionally. That means I've been making money at it for about 20 years. Um, I got into the game in, right out of high school. I, I spent some time in the, in the Royal Canadian Navy. When I got out of the Navy after about nine years or so, I did some uh, various non-gaming related work and then after a while I did find myself working at Electronic Arts and spent some time working on um, games like Madden, games like FIFA, NHL, uh, Fight Night, all various different types of sports titles. I was responsible for the online feature set. so. Uh, creating and designing features like uh, EA Sports, Hockey League, FIFA Clubs. Uh, I had hand in Madden online franchise. Um, I was one of the people that was responsible for working on what would become um, EA Season Pass, that sort of thing. So I most of my time at EA was spent with the online feature sets. Uh, then I went on to do uh, work on some technology back end for a Harry Potter title. Um, spent a little bit of time at Warner Brothers working on Batman for the Wii U. And um, eventually I did find myself here in uh, the booming metropolis that is Peterborough. <laughs> and uh, my, my wife said to me, she said, you know, you've spent 20-ish years working on other people's games. It's probably about time you work on something that you want to do yourself. 
And that's when I reached out to Microsoft and got the ball rolling with Canuck Play and kind of a little bit is the rest of that is is kind of history but that's that's where that's how i arrived here um my interest in game development has always outweighed my interest in game playing uh, i've always found it much more entertaining to build the games than to play the games which sounds a little bit weird i mean i understand why people cock their head at that but um I, I've always found it much more en- entertaining to to build the games than it is to to play them. One of the reasons for that is when I start playing the game, I spend too much time trying to figure out how they did it. Right. And I don't I don't I don't spend a lot of time just enjoying the world. I try to figure out what algorithms they use to make it do whatever it is they're doing. Um, I I've spoken to people that that work in the film industry and and they say the same thing. Uh, it's hard for them to enjoy a film now because they spend all their time trying to dissect the special effects. Mm. Uh, so it's it's one of those hazards, I suppose. But uh, I started building games when I was um, very young. I guess this would have been about 1984, 85, something like that. Um, I... Uh, I acquired from my eldest sister, she went off to university, I was given her old TRS-80 Color 1 computer and, with the chiclet keyboard, the big silver one with the chiclet keyboard, and um, started writing my first programs and my first games on that. And and then I graduated to a Commodore 64 and, and up through there, and now I'm writing games for the ps4 so kind of a um, evolution of game design and development from a long time ago so even in the early days you were always kind of more of a of a creator than a than a player like even like in the 80s and 90s um, yes i i was very much a i was very much a creator i did have some favorite games um i'm a big fan of uh games like uh outside of sports games I like the original, the very, very first Age of Empires. I played that to death. Um, really liked the very first Diablo. Um, some of the shooters, uh, obviously Doom. Doom had a big, big impact on me. When I, the very first time I saw Doom uh, running on a computer in a Radio Shack, I was just gobsmacked at the quality of the visuals and what I was looking at at the time. So that, that had a big impact on me. That was uh, always cool, like going into those uh, into those early computer, like in those computer stores in the '90s, and just seeing, um, yeah, like Doom or Wolfenstein. I remember seeing Duke Nukem 3D, like, yeah. being played, like automatically just being played, and yeah, in the demo mode, yeah, yeah and just like it was always cool as a kid to kind of see that because they didn't really do that for like Genesis, like for console games. They didn't do that for like I don't remember ever seeing like Sonic or Mario kind of being played on a. Yeah, the very first. <clears throat> I don't know if I'd even refer to it as a console, but the first non-PC demo setup that I ever saw was for um, the Game Boy. And and there was a kiosk, and the Game Boy was kind of uh, embedded into this plastic table thing with a, with, a, with a larger monitor on it, and you could play the Game Boy on the little tiny screen, or you could look at it on the, on the larger monitor. Oh. That's so cool. I... 
that was the very first kind of non-PC demos that I ever saw in something like uh, Sears or or uh, Walmart, the the early Walmarts, that sort of thing. So, but yeah, I, I remember walking into uh, into the Radio Shack uh, here in Toronto, actually one of the Radio Shacks in in North York, and and there was Doom running, and I immediately. I, so I asked the guy at the counter, I said, well, what game is this? And and he said, well, you know, for $4, if you buy a package of discs, I can copy the the the, the shareware version on these discs. So, yes, <laughs> he copied the shareware version onto four or five discs or whatever it was. And, and then I ran home and I realized that, oh, my God, my computer doesn't play this game because it's not powerful enough. And yeah. so, yes, I, I had to drop a whole bunch of money to to, you know, put in more RAM and all this other stuff. So it was doom was the, was the excuse that I had to, to do a giant upgrade of my PC at the time. So, and were yeah. you, uh, were you always into kind of into sports games and stuff like that? Cause I remember yes. playing, I, I got into sports games. I mean, I remember playing on, on the Atari 2600, pl- trying to play quote unquote football on <laughs> Atari 2600. And it was really just a few little squares and, and the ball was another square, and yeah, there was it was just a little a bunch of little squares moving around on the screen. It was really hard to tell what was going on. Um, but that was my very first experience playing a sports game, and it just happened to be football, which was, in terms of sport, my first love. So um, yeah, that was that was a that was a less than I I, I didn't come away with that with warm fuzzies after playing football on the Atari 2600. But uh, obviously now years, decades later, they're, they're photorealistic and yeah. you don't have the problem of not really understanding what's going on on the screen. But yeah, I, I grew up playing various different football games. Um, back in the 90s, there was a series of games by a company called Sierra and it was, it was the Football Pro franchise. They... They started out unlicensed, and then later on, they they put the NFL license on it. But it was very much a simulation game for number crunchers. You could go into the gameplay and run around on the field and throw the ball and and do all those things that you see now in football games. But the the real um, the real point of that game was managing your team and. And managing the franchise and and drafting players and dealing with salary caps and trading and all that sort of thing. So it that was really kind of what got me into the sports gaming side of things. Kind of forgot all about Sierra. Yeah, I just look. I just had to look them up just as a little reminder. Um, so you so you're always, you were always kind of a developer. You always kind of were tinkering with games and stuff like that. You always liked your sports games and whatnot. Uh, you you joined EA as you mentioned. Was that in EA like was that EA Vancouver? Like I know they do the yeah. NHL games now. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, it's EA Vancouver now. But when I joined it, it was just called EA Canada, EAC. Yeah. Uh, they changed their name a year or two or something like that ago. Uh, but when I was there, it was EAC. And the North American football games, Madden, NCAA, Arena Football, they were done in Florida, in a in a studio called Tiburon, and they were they were in uh, just outside of Orlando. But all the other sports games were done in Vancouver. So you had FIFA, you had NHL, you had Fight Night, 
Um, you you had a, a wide range. The the multiple NBA games they were all done in in EAC in Burnaby. Hmm. Um, and then you you kind of worked at Warner Brothers. You mentioned, um, and then you kind of you with all that experience, you kind of came back. Uh, or sorry, you came here um, and decided to start Canuck Play. So was it? Were you just kind of done with the the sort of AAA? gaming and want or were you just really inspired to kind of make your own thing that you want you knew that you wanted to make like a sports game right away like how did how did well, Canuck play I guess so uh, give Canuck birth? play Canuck play has the mandate of trying to bring a little bit of Canadian content into the console gaming space there's really not a lot of Canadiana when it comes to the Xbox and the PS4 and so when I reached out to Microsoft and said, you know, this is what I want to do, and I'm going to start with a, uh, a football game that includes Canadian rules, mm. uh, they jumped on board and they said, yeah, this is a great idea. We love, the, we love the fact that you're trying to bring a little bit of cultural differences uh, to our platform. And so they, they got on board. They helped with uh, providing development kits and uh, software licenses for some things. They, they never gave us any cash for development. There was, there was never a check written, but uh, they saved us a ton of money by providing the development kits uh, at their cost. So uh, they really helped get us going. We launched a title called Canadian Football 17 uh, in July of 2017, and that was on the PC desktop and the Xbox One. And it played Canadian football by default, but you could still go into the game and switch it over to play uh, U.S. rules football if that's what you were more comfortable with. And then in 2018, uh, with the the sort of exclusive agreement with Microsoft wrapped up, they asked for one year to keep it on their platform. With that wrapped up, uh, we then went on to the PS4 and we switched it around so the focus was more on the U.S. side of things to try and grow that audience and, and generate some more revenue so that we could start building the game organically. Um, the Canadian stuff is still there. All the Canadian uh, rules are still there. All the Canadian uh, cities are still there. Um, and even though Maximum Football 2019 is focusing a little bit more on the college the U.S. college side of things, you can still flip over and all the Canadian rules and the Canadian cities are all still there. So we haven't gotten away from providing Canadian content in the, in the game. It's just that we, because of the types of things we want to do, we need more revenue to do those things. So we have to, uh, you know, shift the focus to the larger U.S. audience. For sure. Um, so what uh what made you kind of want to go was it what i'm trying to say here you so you wanted to kind of create you always wanted to have like the canadian football kind of rules in the game it's always right. been there uh obviously madden has this you know their exclusive rights there's no there's no other really football games being made uh there's certainly no nfl games but there's i don't know any other football games being made other than madden and you guys was that sort of is that what you kind of saw? Like you saw that there was no Canadian football games being made and there was, there was kind of this like people well, who were kind of tired of that. Uh, there, there were certainly a very large 
uh, gap in the market. I mean, yeah. we it it the because EA is a public company, uh, their sales figures are are available to us. We can look and see, you know, how much titles sell and that sort of thing. And so uh, we can tell the the size of the market that is just Madden. And when when one title is has such a is such a large revenue generator, it really does show that you know you can be a very solid number two in the marketplace mm. and still do really well. Yeah, you know it's not a zero sum game. You don't have to be number one to do really well. Um, and it, it, you know, I knew going into this back in, back in 2015, when, when Cheryl, uh, and I started sitting around and, and talking about it, we knew that it was going to be a very long process. It all had to be done organically. We were not going to find some magic source of money that, you know, had millions of dollars where we could go out and, and be, you know, a triple A Madden killer right off the bat. We knew that we'd have to start really small, start simple, uh, and grow. And that was that's what we tried to do with Canadian Football 17. It had a very, very small feature set. It was really, when we launched it, it was just play now. It didn't even have a season mode. It was just pick two teams and play. Mm. And, and later on, through content updates, we added a seasonal mode. So you had schedules and playoffs and that sort of thing. But when we launched it, it was pure play now. And uh, over time, it's evolved. We're adding more features and that sort of thing. But the idea was start simple, get some revenue into the into the studio, and now we can start. Now we've got some sales. We've got some money in the bank. We can start doing things like improving the motion capture. We can reach out to athletes like Doug Flutie. We can make arrangements with Wilson to add um, add the proper equipment in the game. We're having discussions with um, with colleges, both in the U.S. and in Canada, to include uh, teams. And so it is it is going where I want it to go. It's just it takes a while to get there um, because we we don't have billions of dollars in the bank to spend on development. Everything that we do in terms of content into the game comes from revenue generated by sales yeah so the more game the, the more copies of 2018 we sell the more i'm able to do for 2019 and then the more i'm able to do for 20 so it's it's really a case of of just simply trying to grow organically from zero um i mean myself personally i have not even been taking a paycheck from canuck play yet uh, 100% of the revenues that come into the game, into the studio, go right back into developing the title. Um, I haven't even been paid yet, so that's probably not going to happen for a year or two when there's a, a good chunk of money that you know we can afford to start taking salaries. So it is very much about growing organically. For sure. So yeah. So yeah. So you had Canadian football 2017, maximum football 2018, and then for 2019. Uh, you kind of already mentioned it, but you've, you're partnering with Doug Flutie, um, right? And who, so, who's interesting? Who because he has the Flutie's miracle in college. He has so he's well known in college space. He's well known in the CFL and Argos, and then he also played in the NFL. So he kind of spans all three. Um, yes. 
uh, eras, so I guess you could say. But he, he absolutely was. So when I uh, partnered up with a company in Hamilton called Sphere Interactive, uh, it's a it's a fledgling game publishing company um, owned by two brothers that are very passionate about sports games. Um, we sat down and we said, you know, we it would help if we had a brand ambassador. You know, when you when you look at EA's title, well, Madden is their brand ambassador, John Madden. That's who they've named the game after. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's surprising that a lot of the kids that are playing the game right now. They don't know that John Madden was a player or a coach. They just know him as the video game guy. Um, so it's funny how that sort of evolved, that he's now more famous for being a video game than he was for being a coach. But um, we we sat down, Eric and I sat down, we thought, Doug Flutie's our number one choice. Um, he's played in multiple professional leagues. He started in the USFL uh, came up to Canada and played for for BC and Calgary and Toronto. Uh, then went down I- into the United States and played for Buffalo and and New England, and and has had everywhere he's been he's had success, and he's played all the different variants of the game that we include in Maxim Football, College Canadian and US. So it just really seemed this was this was the this was the natural choice. And and it's really helped because now that we've got somebody in our in our corner helping us via his brand, uh, when we reach out to uh, when we reach out to other licensors like the colleges or universities in Canada or equipment manufacturers or whomever else, it gets a lot more attention because we're able to say, yes, Doug Flutie's one of our partners. He owns part of the business, and and his name is on the box, and his picture will be on the box, and and when it comes to football and the sport of football, well, everybody knows who Doug Flutie is, so he carries a big stick, and and that's really helped us. So, what is the title? The is the title twenty nineteen going to be Doug Flutie's Maximum Fall twenty nineteen? Yes. Okay. Um, so Which is a mouthful, I know, <laughs> uh, but. It's just kind of how that's worked out. <laughs> no, that's fine. It, it gets, I mean, it tells you everything you want to know about the game, really, though, I think. Stuck Flutie's Maximum Football. Um, and it kind of, it takes me back to the, like, the early, like, the SNES days when it was, like, Ken Griffey Jr.'s, like, Home Run Derby and yeah. and all these other things where it was, like, one pro athlete kind of, uh, you know, I think Scotty Pippen had, like, a NBA, like a Jam game or something, like Jam City or yes. something like that. And, uh, and Wayne Gretzky, there was Wayne Gretzky NHL Hockey Night yeah. and... And yeah, there's there's been multiple soccer games with with names attached and whatever else. So we're we're just uh, keeping that tradition alive. Yeah, it, it takes me back to the '90s when it was, that was more common, and now it's just NHL or NFL, like NFL yeah. Madden or whatever. Um, so using Doug Flutie has been obviously pretty uh, awesome experience. It's been pretty uh, you. I saw like on Twitter that you guys were doing a bunch of like motion capture stuff. Right. Were you using motion capture like before or is this yeah. okay? But it was like a normal like it wasn't you weren't partnering with like a former football no. player. No, um, so the mo- when I decided to do a football game back in 2015, um, I I knew from the get go that there was going to have to be some way to do motion capture animation uh, to draw to, to try and 
create all of the animations that are required for a sports title. And and I know that that every game has has uh, I, uh, quite a quite a lot of animations, but a sports title has a lot more than most when it comes to animations in one title. And to try all to try to do all of those with a keyframe animation technique. Um, so basically, you're you're creating a pose in Motion Builder, and then you click record, and you create a pose, and you click record, and you create a pose. It's almost stop motion animation. To try and do that for all of the hundreds of animations that I would have needed was would have just been impossible. So I knew going into the project that motion capture was required. So I also knew that my budget for motion capture was fairly minuscule. <laughs> it was it was a tiny, tiny, tiny budget that I had available. So what I did is I purchased a motion capture suit and it's basically a uh, it's basically a, a set of straps that you attach to yourself and they've got little tiny sensors on the various joints and bone positions like uh, your forearm and your and your 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 upper arm your forearm your wrist and all your fingers for example mm -hmm. and they're little tiny sensors that track your um, track velocities so as you move around it's the, the 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 sensors are tracking where they are now versus where they were and then it takes that data and it puts it into a skeleton and you can export that data into something like unity or whatever other game engine you're using and it worked well enough to get us started the 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 challenge with that sort of system is that it's really not fast enough uh, we were capturing animation data at about 15 frames a second. So very, very uh, slow capture rates. And it was losing a lot of the finesse and the, the small nuances of, of human movement. Uh, it just, the suit isn't fast enough to capture that. Uh, so the animations in the game looked a little bit choppy and they would stutter sometimes and you get little glitches here and there that you just couldn't really clean up very well. And, but it got us started. It got us a lot of animations in the game. It allowed us to move forward with some basic animations. We went through 2017, we went through 2018 with all those motions. And as I said before, all of the revenue from sales goes directly back into developing the next edition. And so um, the nice thing is that our sales from 2018 have been so good that we've been able to go and hire a professional motion capture studio in Toronto. And so the animations for 17 and 18 were captured at 15 frames a second and the motions that we did last week are captured at 120 frames a second. So it's a huge difference in quality of, of animation and we've got more animations. We've got about 10 or 15 different animations just for a tackle. Um, I think we did something over 400 takes. So um, our animation list just has has gone up considerably and the quality is a lot better it's it's just going to be a night and day difference in terms of of the animation fidelity on the screen that's awesome yeah i've mentioned this a, a couple of times before 
to like people or, or maybe even on the podcast and stuff where it's like a lot of the indie games you see are you know obviously this is a broad spectrum but like they're platformers they're 2d adventure games um they're kind of they're certainly smaller in scope um right. you don't see a lot of indie games that also use like 3d motion capture stuff the only one that i can really think of is hellblade and and they're kind of that's like a very well-known studio that's that's partnered with capcom and and, right. and whatnot so um I well, guess like, to pat you on the back, but also kudos because like it, it, the indie sphere doesn't see a lot of uh, like three D kind of realistic looking games using wanting to use like motion capture because I'm guessing just the like you mentioned before like the cost associated to it is just so high. It's um, uh, it's it's very 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 expensive to do. Now one of the one of the things that that helps a lot of indie developers is if, if they're doing like a third person adventure game, like, you know, if they're, if they're doing something along the lines of a Lara Croft game or, or they're doing something, uh, that is more RPG based, um, there are packages available that are motion capture animation packages that you can just buy. And they're libraries of, of the capturing is done. It's all been cleaned up. There's there's a hundred or so different animations, maybe not even that much, maybe fifty animations, uh, something like that. But it is animations that are targeted for those those types of games. So if you're doing a a, uh, a third person action adventure type Lara Croft game where you're climbing walls and jumping and rolling and running and that sort of thing those animation libraries exist and you can just go and buy them and plug them into your game and, and you know, you don't have to worry about it. There really are very, very few animation libraries for sports titles and there are practically none for football. And probably the reason for that is that there are so many animations that you require. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we have, like I said, we've got, we've got 12 or so different tackles uh, we have we have uh, five different types of strafe movement. You know the quarterback strafe and the lineman strafe and the DB strafe and all, uh, linebacker strafe. They all have a slightly different movement when they're strafing around in the backfield and whatever else. So we are not just copying pasting one type of movement. Every position on the field has their own type of movement. So. Uh, that's not necessarily something that you see in other titles. So we 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 had to do those ourselves. And so talking, so leading into Max, to Doug Flutie's Maximum Football 2019, uh, you mentioned what what are some of the things that like you kind of alluded to that it's going to focus more on college side of things. Right. Uh, it's obviously going to have better in animation stuff. What other kind of are whatever you're allowed to say on it? Uh, what other things <laughs> well, are you kind of uh, trying to pack into it? I, uh... As as the president of the company, I'm allowed to say whatever I like. Um, <laughs> That's a good point, actually. Then there you go. <laughs> um, so we it, it's a well known it's it's well known that we are uh, shifting our focus a little bit more towards the college experience. Uh, if you are looking for a a American professional experience, you've got Madden, and and because they've got the license to the NFL and. That is their focus. I mean, it's a very focused, very limited experience when you go into their game. You're dealing with an NFL type of experience, and that's all you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we decided that 
there's no point in trying to just meet a be a me too NFL type experience. And we wouldn't also have an NFL license. So it didn't seem to make much sense. But there is a huge void for college football. Um, uh, a few years ago, EA was producing a NCAA college football game. There were some licensing and uh, licensing issues and some lawsuits were brought up. And there was a, there was a great commotion af- over um, uh, using... Uh, student athletes likenesses in the game and that sort of thing and and EA just decided to get out of that that type of football experience altogether and so that left a big void so we've decided that maximum football is going to try and fill that void by uh, including a lot more things that the college gamer is looking for so we're going to have uh, a complete dynasty mode where you are the coach of a school and your job is to recruit players and build your team from freshmen and have them progress through their college career up through you know sophomore and 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 senior and then then those players will graduate and they will either get out of football or they go into a professional life and you've got to deal with you know recruiting players and deal with a red shirt squad and that sort of thing uh so we're going to be, I, I'm actively writing the code to do that right now. So uh, the college dynasty mode is going to be a big part of Maximum Football 19, along with brand new player models. Um, a couple of years ago, when when Canadian Football 17 was released, the the player models on the field, uh, well, it, they sort of they sort of resembled uh, Lego minifigs. <laughs> They were not. They were not the most uh, photorealistic uh, players in the world, <laughs> but um, again, because of sales of of Maximum Football 18, we've got some money in the bank, and we've been able to go into Montreal and and hire a a 3D art studio to uh, do some some very realistic player models uh, with different body positions and different helmet styles. And we will have Doug Flutie as a playable character. His likeness will be in the game. So, uh, we're doing three major, major, um, changes to maximum football for next year. One is new player models. One is a whole, uh, new collection of animations. And then of course there's the dynasty mode. So, um, yeah, I was looking up the NCAA football. Like, yeah, there hasn't been one since 2013. And I know there's... or two, NCAA football 14, which was out in 2013. I yeah. know there's, like, a whole issue with player, like them paying players and stuff like that. I understand that. Um, is there... Like, have you looked into, like, the Canadian college um, yes. football? Like, so, how, do, how does this go about? So there's basically like four leagues that you can kind of look at. NFL, NCAA, CFL, and then I don't know what the Canadian college... U-Sport. Oh, U-Sport? U-Sport. Um, University Sport. Used uh, to be called CIS, but now it's U-Sport. Okay. And the, and the Vanier Cup is like the finals there and whatnot. Right. So have you, have you guys looked into kind of... Um, not necessarily gain license or anything like that, but kind of like similar partnerships that you have with Doug Flutie uh, by going like, you know, having some sort of Vanier Cup style play or, or something like along those lines. 
Absolutely. We're, we're having discussions to bring licensing into the game. Oh, there you go. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and even if we, even if licensing doesn't work out, we will have the, the dynasty mode has two. When, when you, when you start a new dynasty, you can have five dynasties going at the same time. Uh, basically you, when you, when you go into dynasty mode, it says, do you want to create a new dynasty or load an existing one? Well, you've got five slots to choose from. So um, if you create a new dynasty mode, one of the things that you're asked in the, the settings, the dynasty mode settings, is do you want to use uh, a Canadian setup or a U.S. college setup? And depending on which one you choose, it will change the rules, but it will all also change your team counts. Uh, so if you pick a Canadian uh, dynasty mode, you'll get Canadian rules, which is what U-Sport uses, and you'll get 27 teams in four conferences. Uh, if you pick uh, U.S. style uh, call a dynasty mode, you'll get the current U.S. college football rules and you'll get 130 teams spread across. Uh, I forget off the top of my head how many conferences they have, but there's quite a few. A and uh, <laughs> the scheduling is set up to accommodate the two different styles. The playoff system is set up to accommodate the two different styles. So it's... The, the dynasty mode has two different types of dynasty mode inside of it in of itself. One is the Canadian college experience. One is the U.S. college experience. Um, and if, if the licensing doesn't work out or if we end up only being able to license certain teams, the teams that are not licensed, you'll be able to edit and customize however you like. Um, and if we do have licensing, those teams probably won't be customizable because of licensing concerns. Um, but we're we're going to try to accommodate as much as we can, and we're certainly looking at licensing. Awesome. Um, I guess then, so and, you know, before we start this podcast, you kind of were saying that you're uh, working on the game and whatnot. So I don't want to take too much more of your time. Um, when uh, when will we be able to play Doug Flutie's Maximum Football 2019? So we are uh, Canuck Play is scheduled to go into certification in August, so we're we're hoping to be releasing in September. Perfect. Um, awesome. And then uh, you know, if people obviously CanadianGameDevs.com will have all the updates and stuff like that. But if people want to kind of follow you directly, Canuck Play. Uh, see the updates on the game and stuff. Where's the best place to do that? So uh, the there's there's two Twitter accounts that you can follow. One of them is Canuck Play, and it's just at Canuck GS. So it's Canuck Golf Sierra. Um, the other is at Max Football Game. That's that's the account that's specific for Maxim Football Canuck Play. Uh, at Canuck GS is specific to Canuck Play and may not necessarily be talking about the football game. Uh, so those are the two Twitter accounts that you can follow. We also have uh, Facebook slash Canuck Play uh, and uh, CanuckPlay.com as well. And you guys are on Patreon as well, right? We do have a Patreon. It's Patreon slash Max Football Game. Perfect. Um, David, thanks very much for joining me, man. Oh, thank you very much. I'm I'm always happy to to talk about Canuck play in the game. I I don't think I've ever I've ever said no to somebody who wants to talk to me about the game. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, I appreciate everything as, as someone who uh, has also kind of prided themselves on, you know, um, representing Canadian content or wanting to kind of give light to Canadian content. You know, when you said that you wanted to make a football game that highlighted Canadian, con- Canadian rules and stuff like that, that speaks to me. So I wanted to kind of talk to you. Uh, I know that you had a big uh, couple last couple of weeks with Doug Flutie and, and the motion capture and whatnot. So I appreciate the time uh, here today. For everyone listening, um, this goes up for patrons uh, right about now on Super Bowl Sunday, but you can always go to uh, CanadianGameDevs.com slash podcast, and you'll see it on SoundCloud, iTunes, G- uh, Google. Make sure to share it and all that stuff, and then look forward to Doug Flutie's uh, Maximum Football 2019 uh, in about in the fall at some point, I'll just say. How about that? <laughs> yes, we don't have a specific exact date yet, but we're targeting September. September. So it's around in September, September we'll... Uh, We'll check about that. And then we're on Twitch too, so I think in September I'll definitely be playing that game. Uh, David, again, thanks for a lot, man. Thank you very much.